I was thinking as we were leading worship, uh, good morning, by the way, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, I was thinking as we were in worship uh, and we were singing uh, those songs, I was kind of reminded of, of uh, David. Uh, and he was the uh, person who inspired worship even in the Old Testament. He said, hey, these sacrifices have never been what God has wanted. They're necessary now, but it's not what he wanted. And as you read the Psalms, you'll find the open book of a man's prayer life and worship life. And, uh, and so as we're singing, we're actually declaring, you're actually praying what you're singing. Because prayer and worship are hand in hand, you really can't separate them. And, and, I, and I was just thinking about that, you know, the song, the first song that we sang, even when I don't see it, he's working. And, you know, sometimes you're in the middle of those particular settings where you're not seeing what you would like to be seeing. Usually that's when those songs you should be singing with all of your might. You know, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, God, you're working. Because why do we say that? Why do we sing that? Because guess what? That's what the scriptures say. And so we go with, the, with what the Word of God says. And then about house of miracles, house of healing... I was just when we were singing that, I was just thinking, wow, God, you've really protected us through this whole past year of COVID stuff. Come on, I just thank God for that. Come on, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Lord. That is so awesome, and we just need to keep praying. I felt even last year in my own life that I should uh, make it a diligent part of my daily uh, connection uh, with God to pray for uh, divine health. I'd rather pray for divine health than divine healing. Right? Come on. Let's just be ahead of the game here because we're the head, not the tail, right? Well, he doesn't mind healing, but let's go, let's take it for the whole way because it's, it's so much of it is this is his, his will and testament for our life. And a will and testament kicks into gear when a person dies. And this is what we're walking into this week. Jesus, who wrote this will and testament of everything that he owns and everything he has and all that he came here to give us, is now enacted. And so we can therefore begin to speak it out. And so, uh, Lord, give us divine health. Let us walk in this thing. And, um, and then the, the last song... You know, Jesus be the center uh, of our life. What a what a what an old but beautiful song that is. It just makes you start to maybe hopefully again make it a prayer, but make it also uh, just a part of uh, just your everyday thinking, your everyday walk. You know, he said, "If you'll seek me first, I'll make all the other provisions for you. I'll take care of all these other things." And, you know, anytime we don't seek him first in any particular area, then that means I take on the responsibility, right? I begin to carry the weight of that. The weight of that creates stress. Stress creates what? All kinds of anxiety and sickness and everything else. So you just, just try to step back and just take the simplicity. It's what the gospels call. It's the simplicity of the gospel. It's not that hard. It's not that challenging. It's getting into the right conversation with God, and he reveals it to you. I'd like to pull up. We're going to talk about a, a few things today that are kind of brewing on my heart. 
uh, for this uh, special day, uh, not necessarily in reference to uh, Palm Sunday, although it is, but in reference to taking a look at uh, vision and, and uh, vision of the church and uh, where we've been and where we're going and so forth. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me about talking about uh, uh, developing a vision, developing spiritual insight, because oftentimes I know it's easy for a person that's been a believer for a long time and walked in these kind of things to throw out the words, but yet you sit there sometimes and just say, what in the heck does that mean? <laughs> and you walk away feeling like, well, it sounds like I'd like to have it, but I just am not sure what it means. So how do we get there? So I want to just talk a little bit here this morning about a couple of different areas, and I, I think you'll be able to track with me. Let's uh, start with our mission, actually our mission statement, if we can pull that up. Uh, it's, it's, it's this, it's to know God, it's to be empowered, and it's to make a difference. Three simple steps, know God, and, and the reason we put that there was because we know that it's very easy for a person to be in a church setting for years and never come to know Christ. I've heard so many testimonies about that. So it's my desire that every one of us would obviously know Christ, know God, okay, have a personal relationship where you can say, nope, he changed my heart, and uh, yeah, I have struggles, but yet I'm following him. When the bottom line hits, I'm running after him, I'm pursuing him. I have been given a new heart, he said. Take out that old stony one, give the new one. And, and, and that you, you'd be able to do that, say that for yourself, but also as you connect with different people in the house and, 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 and out of the house, um, but as you connect with people, you find out what their story is. I love to ask a person, what's their story? How did you get saved? When did you become born again? And it's amazing what you find out. Sometimes they will say, well, I, I'm a good person, or, uh, well, I, I, I've been going to church all my life. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different stories, but we know that in the Bible there was the one man that came to Jesus, and, and, uh, and he was just kind of boasting about everything he was doing that was good. All those things were good. I'd cast out. He was even doing miracles. I was casting out demons. I was, and, but Jesus, at the end of it, stopped him and... and you know, the scripture doesn't show us his face, but I believe he was probably weeping as this man filed through all of his to-do list. I did this, and I went to church, and I did this, and I gave that. And, and, and when he got to the end of it, Jesus had to look him in the eye say, but you know something? I never knew you. And he gave him the opportunity to come to know him, but he wasn't willing. I just think, wow, I don't ever want that to be said of this house, that a person never hears about Jesus, never knows that he should be the center of it all. And so we need to know Jesus and then to be empowered. And we've been kind of going over that the last few weeks, so I, I won't spend a lot of time on that. But I think we have to recognize you and I live in the day and the hour in that day, in that last day, where the Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead who's in charge. And he actually comes to live inside of you. And he wants to empower you and to strengthen you and get you to be able to do something more than just natural things. Natural things will not save an unnatural world. But the supernatural absolutely will. And that's why when you look at Jesus' life, what did it say? He went around doing uh, uh, miracles and signs and wonders. He did those things out in the, in the highways and the byways. 
And for us, I believe he wants us to step up to that same plate and say, hey, I'm out in the store here, and this person's talking about their need, they're hurting, or they're sick, or they're something. Hey, can I just lay hands on you and pray for you? Well, you might not want to say lay hands on them, freak them out a little bit there. But you might want to say, hey, can I just pray for you? I believe that God can heal. And that we become so bold that we're no longer saying it like, I hope you'll get healed. But you're speaking the authority of life into them. Guess what? The rest of it is up to God. It's all up to the Holy Spirit because you can't do it anyway. You don't even need to try to do it. Just all you got to do is speak it out. What? As the oracle of God. And we've been talking about that. So we want you to know God, be empowered. Now walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then you're probably walking in the flesh. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the opposite of it. And that's what I have to realize, that if I'm not keeping full of the Spirit, then I'm going to remain full of the flesh. And there's all these things out there to feed your flesh that are very accessible. And, and, and you end up being there. And then the last part, the exciting part, and we can talk a little bit about it today too, is I want you to make a difference. I don't know of anybody that I've ever met that wants, at the, you know, wants to say at the end of your life, I never did anything. I never made a difference with anything. But everybody is striving to do what? Make a difference. We want to make a difference. And, and, and we want people to be on track with that as far as the kingdom of God goes. And we want to be able to what? Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy for the next generation to look up. And when they look at your life and they, they read your, uh, your epitaph, that it's, it, what, is it, what will it say? Will it say, wow, I knew so-and-so. And you know something? They were so fervent after God. It was so clear. It was so evident that they knew God and they pursued God. And God was a big part of their life. He wasn't just this secondhand thing that when it was convenient, they served him. And when it wasn't, they didn't. That's not leaving a good legacy. I want it to be said that I ran all the way to the very end of my life. I ran. I didn't walk. I didn't lose excitement. I grew in my zeal and in my love for God. And really, if you're walking with God and you're making that connection, you won't be able to help but have that. Because God is so powerful in his presence is the fullness of joy. So, so to know God, to be empowered, and to make a difference. And so that's just our mission statement as a church, and we want everybody to step into that and everybody to be a part of that and, and make sure that we're all uh, heading in the same direction. Now, I want to just talk about a relevant scripture, if I could do that, for just a couple of minutes, because uh, it's, a, it's, it's really relevant for today. Not that they are all, all aren't, but I think this one is becoming more relevant than, uh, than ever, and that is Isaiah chapter 60, and we're going to look at verse 2. Isaiah 60 and verse 2. We're going to start with the first part of it. It says, Behold, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness will cover the people. I don't know if you've noticed that happening or not, but it's been happening for at least, uh, to my knowledge, 40 or 50 years. And probably started before that. But as we progress, we're seeing this become almost to the degree now where they're saying that good is evil and evil is good. And there's a whole reversal of, of, of everything that has to do with God. 
there seems to be this shifting, and it just seems to have increased and accelerated recently. Uh, my personal opinion, can I just give you my personal opinion? My personal opinion is when our Speaker of the House sat before our President disrespectfully and tore his speech up on public television, I think it just unleashed all the gates of hell. And what have we seen since then? Anger, fightings, and burnings, and all these things took place. And I believe something spiritual took place there, and I think we should just acknowledge that. We're not, we're not getting on anybody's party. We're just acknowledging truth and recognizing what has the last four and a half years looked like. And I truly believe that something spiritual took another level, and we're seeing the effects of that today. And as believers, because... <laughs> We're supposed to be releasing the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, right? It's not arguing a political party. It's arguing for the kingdom of God. It's arguing for people. Jesus came for the people. Come on, didn't he? And we just got to get rid of the other stuff, and let's go for what, God is, what God's for. He says, behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, and a deep darkness the people. And the darker it gets, the, the, the more your vision will need to adjust through the darkness. Did you hear what I said? The darker it gets, the more your vision needs to break through that darkness. If not, you'll begin to buy into the darkness. Because Satan came as an angel of light. He didn't tell Eve that the apple was filled with poison, so eat it and you'll have eternal life. Come on. He, told, he made it sound really good. And, and so she bit it. And, and, and we, we understand that story. I'm not going into that. It's not the story. I'm after today. But I thought about the eyes and the vision and so forth, which I want to talk a little bit about. And, and, and once it gets dark... This thing happens inside of your eyes that will actually create night vision in, for you. It takes a while. First, you'll get it a little bit, and you'll, 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 you'll have to walk. You know, if you ever had that happen, you walk into a dark room or it, the lights get shut out, and all of a sudden your eyes start adjusting, right? Well, if you stay in that darkness long enough... God made your eyes so something else begins to happen to actually give you what they call a, a night vision. Now, you'll never be able to see when it's totally dark. There always has to be light because it's light that gives you vision. It only has to be a little bit, but you have to have some. Now, now get this picture. Deep darkness is covering the earth. Deep darkness is covering the people. They need light. We are called to be salt and light. Why? Because Satan left alone on the earth will totally blind people. Totally blind them. And, and it already says that he blinds our eyes. And so when we, when we understand this, even about our eyes, our vision, <clears throat> excuse me, is very important that I understand this because I believe that we need to not only get light ourselves. So that we don't walk around groping in darkness, but, but, we, but we need to go out into the world and be light for them. 
I was, when I was studying this, I, I remembered a story years ago, lots of years ago. Uh, I lived in California on Folsom Lake, and <clears throat> we were out in the middle of the uh, lake, off or not in the middle, but off to one of the jetties in the lake. And uh, when we got too close, we hit a tree stump or something, and it, it sheared the shear pin off of the propeller. So we were kind of stuck, you know, you, you got to have that to move. And so I was the one volunteering to go up to the, uh, to the, uh, the store and try to get one of those uh, prop pins. Well, I, got, I hitchhiked up to the, uh, to the store, and then uh, I, I, they didn't have what I needed, and so I rented a small boat about five foot wide, or long. And I got in it, and, and it was already getting late, and... You know, I had a cast up to here at that time. And, and so now I'm out on this boat, and if you've ever been on one of those short boats with a small outboard motor, you really should have somebody on the front of that boat. Because <laughs> if you don't, when that wind starts blowing and that lake got choppier than I thought it would, I'm like this here, and I'm about to tip over, and I'm thinking, I got a cast, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. It's dark outside. I'm in the middle of the lake. I have no idea where I'm at. And so I'm getting a little bit afraid at this point, and I'm sitting there, what am I going to do? I can't really sit too close to the back because of the, 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 the wakes hitting. And, uh, and so as I was out there, I was looking around because, like I say, it was just dark. And all of a sudden, I saw this little, small light across the lake. And I didn't know what it was. It was so small, but it was a light. And I can remember just heading toward that light. And I just went all the way. And when I got there, it was some people fishing. And they took me uh, up to the ranger station. The ranger station took their boat, finally found our boat, and towed us in. And, and uh, I'm still here today. <laughs> it was a success story. <laughs> but, but it was that little light that guided me back to where I needed to be. And I, I'm just saying that is that we need to be a light for people like never before and not be ashamed of it, and, and, and to be able to move forward. Uh, but we're going to have to be careful with our night vision and make sure we have it activated. Isaiah 60, verse 2, the last part of it says this here, But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen, where? Upon you. Upon you. He wants his glory to be seen upon you. His glory comes on us by being with him. His glory comes on us by being with him. See, if, if, if I could kind of summarize, generalize and summarize the Old Testament, it was really, it was a message of come and see, wasn't it? They built these big, beautiful tabernacles, and that's where God's presence had to be at the time uh, for, for all purposes. It had to be there, so it was kind of a come and see. But you notice when we cross over the line, the message is not come and see any longer. It's go and tell. Go and tell. And he's calling his church now to go into the world. And yet we've got to have the light ourselves, or we'll begin to walk in darkness and not see what we need to see. And I tell you, that's possible for believers. All you have to do again is just look around a little bit and you'll begin to realize that. That that darkness is coming and wherever the light of his presence has not been allowed, they're in total darkness. 
Proverbs 29 is another important scripture. Proverbs 29, 18, and most of us would be able to quote that just by me saying that. But what do we understand about it? It says, without revelation or prophetic vision, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. So without this prophetic vision, well, what does that mean? What is this spiritual prophetic vision? Or what is it to get a revelation from God? What does that really mean? And how do I do that? And I'll talk about that a little bit later in the scriptures. But it's, uh, it's really, it's a, it's, it, it might be uh, called an aha moment for some. Aha, that's what that means. I was reading the scripture, and all of a sudden, boom, it came alive to me. I was looking into that light, and then all of a sudden, it came on. I remember when I became saved, that's what happened to me for my whole life as well. Have I ever been in duped in darkness? And my eyes were opened, and all of a sudden, the understanding came. Paul says it this way, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. In other words, if I'm actually reading this and I'm not understanding it, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to understand it. I need the aha moments. I need to, God, this is what's that saying. And I don't know about you, but, uh, but what I've come to find out is when I come, it's amazing, 40-some years later, going through four years of Bible college, reading the Bible, preaching, uh, preaching my heart out for years and years and years, and I still get aha moments in his word. Anybody else? You're reading it, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I've read that a hundred times, but now it's revealed to me what it really means, and it literally adds something to me. It literally changes something. It might open the door of a miracle for me instantly. It might change something about, it might heal me instantly, because I got the aha moment. I don't want to read this. It's not just another book. He calls it a living book. And so if a book is living, it must be able to talk to me. And if it's not, then there's not anything wrong with the book, but there's something that's in me that needs to change. Whether I'm saved or not saved, something needs to change. If I'm not getting the aha moments out of his word and empower, be empowered by it and to be strengthened by it, because I really cannot talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about his word, because the three are one, Right? The three are one. We're not talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're three different people. No, they're three different personalities of one person. And he's coming to empower us, and he's bringing this to us. And so as I'm reading this, the spirit that's in me is pulling me into the story and helping me to apply it so that what? I can have the light and so I can walk in the light. Listen to just a couple of these verses. I'll just read through them quickly. Uh, Job 29.3 of all the people. When his lamp shone upon my head, and when his light, by his light, I walked through the darkness. He wants to put something in me so that I'm not in darkness. I'm not blind about things. I'm not stuck where I'm at. I'm not groping around like, like a blind person. I'm able to really see things. Psalms 18, 28. Uh, this, is, this is David. For you will light my lamp, and the Lord, Lord my God will enlighten what? My darkness. I'm saying this because I think we need to get his enlightenment in the darkness. 
We need something more than we've had in the past. John says it this way. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. John 14, 26. I have come as a light in the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. See, the church has to get out of the darkness itself before it can be light for the world. And, and, and he's, he's, he's communicating this over and over. It's so much. And, and I think if you just take the word light, you could put it right next to the word revelation. All of a sudden, I get it. All of a sudden, I understand it. If I'm reading the Bible and I'm not understanding it, please don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Don't just stop and say, well, I guess it's just another book. I guess it's just maybe not as powerful as I thought it was. No, ask God and he'll give to you. Uh, Acts uh, uh, Acts, uh, 26 and verse 18. Remember the two guys were on the road to Emmaus and they were just talking about what just happened. And remember Jesus was walking with them and they didn't even know it. The word was with them. They didn't know it. And he he let them jabber on until they were ready to listen. When they were ready to listen, he then, it says this about it, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Come on, come on, think about it. What if we applied that one verse to, uh, to our testimony and to our witness? Instead of telling them turn or burn, okay, why don't we just tell them turn and see God? You know, if you can turn around, you'll see God. He's right here wanting to speak to you and let them know that that's available for them. We need to change the heart of our message. And, and, and then it says this here. Uh, he'll turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins as an inheritance among those who are sanctified by me in faith. Romans 12, 13 and verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See, it's time, church, for us to hear this like never before. Otherwise, we're going to be shooting in the dark instead of doing what needs to be done. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before its time until the Lord comes who will bring light to the hidden things of darkness. The word darkness there is skotos in the Greek, and it means of ignorance respecting divine things. So in other words, they, they don't see the divine. All they see is the natural. He's wanting to bring us and the world out of the darkness and into the light. He died for everybody, but they need to know that, and they need to see that light. They need to see that. And your life has the ability to reflect that. And all of a sudden, the light, that, <clears throat> the light that they hadn't seen before comes into their eyes, and now they can see the truth. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. When you're in total darkness, you will never see a thing. You're rarely ever there. We have stars. We have all that. So your eyes will adjust to night vision and get you by. But what if you see light? all of a sudden your eyes start working. And I believe that's just the simplicity of the gospel for people. I just go, I become light to them. And all of a sudden, am I getting feedback or is that just me? 
Okay. I told them to put me on reverb so you'd hear it several times. No. Uh, <laughs> where was I? Anyway, it's just talking about the importance of light. And, and as you think about it, when you go out into the world, I, I need you to just realize that as you are light, you're giving them a new ability to see. Because the people are in deep darkness. And that's why we're seeing such foolishness happen. And so I think it's important for us, I guess, to know this and to, to, to see this in the scriptures because God wants us to live with a purpose. What is our purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? I found just a couple of quotes. It says, everyone, heading somewhere in li- everyone is heading somewhere in life. Few people are heading there on purpose. If you don't know where you're going, you'll likely end up somewhere else. That's true. <laughs> and uh, every person is exactly where their current vision has taken them. Every person is right where their vision has taken them. Your vision will always get you to your destination. It's your, desti- it's your vision that actually gives you the umph to do and reach your destination. That's why he says, without a progressive vision, the people perish. But the word perish really means they go back. They go back. Instead of going forward, they go back. And so it's, 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 uh, it's important for us to realize that because I think we've kind of made this word vision, which is what I want to talk about here in just a second. We've made the word vision to be some kind of a mysterious thing. Well, I have my vision. I got a vision. I'm, you know, and we've kind of moved it out of a normal, uh, I, I, I just see things. I, I see what's ahead of me. I understand what God wants for me to do. It's not some mysterious word that is, is just too weird to understand. And when you say it to somebody, they look at you like, ooh, wow, that's amazing, you know. No, it's, it was meant for all of us without a progressive vision for all of us. What is that? Just the ability to see what God wants for your life is really what a vision's all about. And, and I, I think, you know, when probably most of us know this quote from Helen Keller, uh, you know, the, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. We don't see anything for our life. You're just, you're just trying to make it work every day. And God says, no, I want you to have a vision. And the truest vision that we can have, I think, is the purpose and plan for which God created you which has nothing to do with being self-centered. It doesn't even come close to that. It has to do everything with God. What did God create me for, and how am I fulfilling that? Am I doing that? I just believe this is the most important thing we could possibly consider, uh, and, and that's why even in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, for I know, that I, 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 I know what I have planned for you. This is God speaking to us. He's not saying, hey, I want you to go get your own plan. No, he's saying, listen, I got this plan, excuse me, I have this plan of redemption for the world. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to step in your relationship with me so that you can be a part of it, so you can connect with it, so you can understand it. I have a plan for you. And it says the Lord, I have plans to prosper you. 
not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. I love that. We, we love that verse. It's just a beautiful verse. And he invites you up into his plan in exchange for the plan that you have for your own life otherwise. See, because we all do sort of plan. We, all, we plan to some degree. Everybody does. Some don't plan enough, and some might plan too much, from my experience. But we all plan something, and, and again, you're where you're at today based on what your vision has been for yourself. And I hope, I hope that makes sense to you, and, and Christ has something for us. When, when he reveals his vision to us, it takes us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So his vision for you, as you begin to see it, as it begins to be unfolded for you, and really it has a lot to do, it has a lot to do with your makeup and how he's made you and created you. And as you look at yourself and you see you have this talent and that talent, you have this ability and that ability, this makeup and that makeup, it has to do with that. He created you so specifically to do and fulfill the mission that he has planned for you as a part of his redemption plan that it's impossible for you to fail if you just stay in relationship with him. But what I have to do is get this clear mental picture of what that looks like. Now, let me just take a second and say this here about vision. What do, you, what do we need vision for? We need to look through some lenses now, glasses that help us to see. I need to look through some lenses of what could be and what should be. I mentioned this before. You know, we, when we get married, we all make, you know, well, for better, for worse. And we make all these amazing uh, vows. And then we cha- we're challenged to keep them after a little while. And, uh, and, and some of that is because you lost vision. You had a vision, but then you lost it. And I, w- I just put down several things. I, I think that, you, that we need to have vision for our personal life. What does God call you to do? What has God created you to do? What were the special talents and makeup and personality that you have that God put into you so that you could glorify him on the earth? You know, some of you just, you know, there's, there's so many things that that could be. I mean, there's so many things that that, that could possibly be. And, and I think you need to have that for your personal life. And, let, and, 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 and God wants to reveal that as a witness to the world of him, of who he is. What about our marriages? Do we need a vision for our marriage? We absolutely do. Because that's going to guide us to where we want to go. It's going to help us to get where we want to go. How, how do we go from here to here? Uh, Patricia and I have recently become empty nesters at a very young age. So because we're so young about it, we just don't know quite how to handle that. And so we sat down the other day, a week or so ago, and we started talking about, okay, what's the vision now for our life? Okay, we have more time, we have more money, we have more food. We have, no, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got, we got to replan this thing, but we have to set some vision because if we don't, all of a sudden we're just kind of, you know, what are we doing? So I have to have a vision for my married life. And I have to do it. And again, it doesn't have to be this overly complicated thing. It can just sit down and be a good conversation. What do we want to do in the next? Remember we did the series, You in Five Years. What do we want to be in five years? Because again, that vision was going to give you energy, direction. You know, your vision tells you what to do and what not to do. 
tells you what to spend your money on and what not to spend your money on. It tells you what to watch on TV and what not to watch on TV. It tells you, it directs everything about your life. So, so your vision is important, and if you leave yourself visionless, then I guarantee the enemy will come and fill in the slots, and then you'll start having problems in your personal life and in your marriage and everywhere else. But I have this personal vision. What about uh, uh, your, your personal vision for the world? You know, do we care about the world? God loved the world. What about the world? Are we thinking about that? What about my mission field? What does God want me to do with how he made me? Everybody's different. Everybody has different burdens. I talked to some people, and they could care less about the mission field outside of the United States. It's not even on their radars. I can't even get them excited about it. Others, man, that's all they're about. Well, why is that? Because that's how God made us. And it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to all be involved in missions, but that is a, a true fact. There's just different flavors to it. Um, but it all comes back to vision. My statement to you this morning is dare to dream and dare to ask God about it. Dare to dream and dare to ask God about it. Dare to dream and dare to ask God about it. And you know the best place to start your dream is while you read this. God, what are you saying? How does that relate to me? How does that strengthen who I am? How does that help me have more light on what I'm supposed to do so I don't grope around in darkness? I put on your notes there, you'll have to write in a couple of things here, and we'll send these out to those of you online, and hopefully we'll get closer to having notes online. We are actually uh, probably thinking more about it than working on it, but we will, uh, fear not. Uh, how do I develop my vision? What's the simple, it's just a simple thing, and, 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 but yet I think it's so critical for us. How do I develop my vision? Number one, I have to stop looking back. You realize you have this little dinky mirror on your car that's called the rear view mirror, but your windshield is like really big. Why? Because you were better off looking forward than back. So I have to stop looking back. Some of us have challenges that we faced in the past, and I know some of us have hurts from the past, but I'm telling you, God will heal you of those hurts if you really want to release them. A lot of times, we just are challenged to release them because of fear. I don't know if I let go of that, what I will have. I've been so dependent on that for so long that all of a sudden, now if I let go, that means I'm going to be out here vulnerable. Well, yeah, he wants you vulnerable. He wants you vulnerable. He wants you to humbly trust and fully believe in him. And oftentimes it's that little place in our life. Stop looking back. Stop looking back about your failures and, 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 and so forth. And look forward. It's not, God's not looking back. He, he throws your stuff in the sea of forgetfulness the moment you ask him to forgive you. That's gone. It's gone. As far as the east as the west, you can't get any further than that. Number one, start looking up. The Bible talks a lot about looking up. That's where your salvation comes. We need to start focusing on uh, that, the, the kingdom that's coming <clears throat> so I can see it, so I can reflect it, so I can be a part of it. Stop, stop, uh, start looking up. Number three, continue looking out. There's a need for the world to experience Jesus Christ. There's a need for the world to still be completed in the redemption process that hasn't can't come yet. Until Christ returns, there's a need for the world to know Jesus Christ. Are you looking out there and seeing that so that your heart's beginning to maybe break a little bit? You know the old prayer, God, break my heart for everything that breaks your heart. And I think there's only one thing that breaks his heart right now, and that's lost people. 
that cannot see them because they're in gross darkness. They're in deep darkness. And so I need to look out into the world. I need to keep growing my faith. There's a number of ways to do that. There's lots of ways. And and if you're not sure how you grow your faith, because the Bible talks about some people have weak faith, some have little faith, they have growing faith, they have great faith. How are you growing your faith? What are you doing on a regular basis to grow your faith? And oftentimes I find my faith grows the most when I hear God drop something on my heart and I'm willing to do it, whatever he said. Whatever he said. Whatever he said. I trust him and my faith is getting stronger. I need to write it out. You might just need to get a piece of paper. Maybe when you do it with your marriage, just sit down and just start writing. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Just start writing it out. (coughs) Habakkuk said, write that vision so you can run who read it. I need to be willing also, and this is the tough one. This was the, uh, the one man that came to Jesus spouting about everything he was doing. I need to be willing to forsake it all. I need to forsake it all. Mark says this, whoever saved his life is going to lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. The third, the next point on your notes there <clears throat> is don't believe the contradictions. Jonathan spoke of that this morning. He said, hey, even though I don't see it, I know it's going to be true because God said it. And I need to pursue that. And I have found very few times that, you know, God doesn't drop something on my heart that all of a sudden you'll see these amazing contradictions. But God wants to come. I think of, you know, the, the, the famous story of Joseph. Oh, I give you this big dream, Joseph. It's going to be amazing. And the next thing you know, his brothers are out to kill him, throw him in a pit. He goes through all these things. But, you know, something he just kept believing that God was going to use him. He kept believing that God was going to work something good out of that because he, he knew that God would because God spoke to him about the dream. And so he continued to pursue it, and you know the rest of his story. Don't believe the contradictions. And then I think the, the last point, or the last couple of points here, listen for it. Listen for it. Think of Samuel and how God spoke to him. And when you're listening, are you ready to say, Lord, here am I, just use me. And then I, I put down in your notes there, the reject the word impossible. It's not in the Bible. You will not find it in the Bible. So when your mind starts thinking about God showing you things, and you think, well, that's, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do this for your marriage. I'm going to do this in your marriage. No, that's impossible. She'll never change. He'll never change. Get rid of the impossible, and you'll see the possible happen more power in God than what we give him credit for. So reject the word impossible. And then the, the next thing is really just to ask for it. Sometimes we, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Psalms 2.8 says only ask and, it will, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the whole earth as your possessions. I think that's an awesome thing. See, that verse right there should excite each and every one of us. We should be thinking, boy, that's awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome if, 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 if God gave us the nations? In other words, they, people started getting saved left and right. Come on, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I've got to be thinking that way. I mean, that'd be an awesome thing. God, give us the nations. That's right, give us the nations. We're tired of seeing the enemy, who's the ruler of this world, 
ruling when you gave us our authority and our government back. You, you, you gave it back to us. God, we're here to say thus far and no more. God, give me the nations for the inheritance. And we, if, I guarantee the more the church, and the church has been doing it, the more the church cries out for the inheritance of the nations, the whole earth is his possession. Guess what? The earth is even waiting for this. We're about to have this tragedy happen in our and on our, in, our, in our area here, at least. I don't know. I don't think it's in California yet. But we're about to have this tragedy happen here. How many know that this is the seventh year for the cicadas to wake up and come out? It, I'm serious. And it's going to be an invasion like you've never seen. I've already seen holes in my backyard. Anybody else? Go look in your backyard when you get home. You're going to see it. It's, it's a 17, some kind of cicada that lives underground for 17 years, and all of a sudden they come out, and they come out in scores. It's going to be so loud, you'll be breaking the carcasses of their, or their shells off of your house and everything else for the next weeks to come. It's going to be terrible. I'm just warning you. I'm going to go try to poison my yard and see if I can kill them ahead of time, but... I don't know if that'll work. But anyway, you know, we, we just, uh, I forget why I even brought that up. Only ask and I will give you cicadas. For, uh, you know, but, but I'm just saying, is we, we, we need to have a real heart for the lost when we look out into the world. The other must have just been a prophetic warning for you. We just need to have a heart for the lost. Come on, how many can say amen? He said he would give it to, the, uh, give it to us as an inheritance. Why, why, why not ask and begin to believe? And then when we go out there, let's just collect the inheritance as we go out and around. Come on. Come on. Just go out, be light, and let's collect the inheritance that God has. And really begin to stir our hearts up. I just think it's, it's important for us to do this. All right, let me just take a few minutes. We're going we're gonna to extend here just a few minutes this morning. But let me just take a few minutes because is, this is so, such so worth it. Uh, um, I want to go over what was accomplished last year. I, I think you're going to be as thrilled as I am once you begin to see it. And then I hope to give us a little bit of a picture for this, this year here, for, for what we're going, where we're headed this year. And, and what God has done. And so I, I'm going to start with uh, Roca Blanca. How many are familiar with Roca Blanca? Okay, it's a mission base that we, uh, that we support and so forth uh, in Mexico. And actually, we're fortunate enough to have uh, uh, Charles and Ellie and Becky, right? Becky here with us. They've just moved back to Larned, and they're going to be managing Roca Blanca from there. They were there for years. Come on up, if you would. Uh, Charles, he's going to just give a, yeah, let's give him a hand. They're going to take a second and just share just a couple minutes. We'll have them come back another time and share again uh, just a little bit about uh, what, they're, what they're doing. Thank you, Pastor Danny. It is such a privilege to be here this morning. And uh, thank you, uh, Hope Alive, for partnering with us in making disciples in Oaxaca, Mexico. And the word this morning, uh, I feel like we're living it out. <laughs> I, I mean, we're in the middle of a faith adventure ourselves. 
um, coming up here after myself living down there 28 years and my wife was born there and my children were born there and now we're we're up here we're actually in Hutchison uh, in Hutchison Kansas now and uh, moving our offices from Tulsa to Hutchison and it's it's been it's been a faith adventure and it requires vision and uh, sometimes there's bumps along the way but as we sung this morning he is faithful even when we we think now what is going on now God comes along, and he's been faithful. We're very thankful to uh, Hope Alive for uh, your support of the Rocco Blanca Mission Base. A year ago, when COVID hit and we were shut down for two months, it, it wasn't a, a problem for us. I mean, uh, the Lord blessed us tremendously. We had two months to seek his face and pray, and it was out of that time that the Lord sent us back here to Kansas. And there are other changes that are happening at, at Roca Blanca because of those that time of seeking the Lord's face. And so the Lord has taken something that was difficult and, and a surprise. But as we, we sought his face, he's given us vision to move forward. And one of the things that came out of that as well was uh, our need for multimedia equipment to go online with the, with the Bible school. And... Uh, and uh, thank you, Hope Alive Church, for responding to that need. Uh, you sent an offering. We bought the equipment. And uh, I, I'm encouraged by what the pastor was saying this morning about your, your struggle here with Internet. We, struggle, we have struggled years with, with the Internet down there. And uh, about a year and a half ago, or about a year ago, we got an offer as well from a company down there to put in fiber optics, Internet, wow. and then... About four months later, we, we found out that it wasn't going to happen like they had said. But we're still believing that God's going to do something because the equipment has been provided. And we're, we're continuing, we're, we're actually working, um, uh, working on recording uh, VBI online classes so that we can start those. Um, even though we don't have the fiber optic, optic internet, we do have internet. It's just not, as you were saying, it's, it's been a struggle. But we continue moving forward, believing that God's going to do something there. Also, uh, with the equipment that you gave, Pastor Dwayne has been doing, um, he has every Thursday afternoon a class called uh, End Times. And he's, he's teaching, giving teachings about End Times. He has 30,000 people on the average connect on Facebook through through uh, through Facebook, listening to his end times teaching in in Spanish, yes. Um, and Fountain of Grace every Tuesday morning, they have around sixty thousand people that are connecting. Fountain of Grace is a healing ministry that Brother Dwayne has started two years ago, and also because of COVID, we went online with that through Facebook as well. And so, uh, thank you for your partnering with us in in all of that and it's it's a pleasure to be here this morning a pleasure to connect with you we feel at home thank you so much amen amen thank you thank you we'll have them come and share again but did you hear that 90,000 people are hearing weekly the gospel of Jesus Christ I think that's so awesome um and it's just born out of generosity of everyone's heart here. We see a lot of stuff happening there. We've helped pastors over there also. Um, and then in the Philippines, 
uh, and we have a map here. I think this will be exciting to show you. In the Philippines last year, back up to that other one first, I'm sorry. We've built two church buildings. We repaired four churches. They have a lot of weather issues there. We, we gave gifts to all 27 of the pastors. We gave them Christmas cash. Uh, and we uh, f- had provided food for the poor during the whole COVID challenge. It's been an ongoing thing. Why don't you now pull up that map? This is Pastor Gloria. She was here with us a number of years ago. See all those red dots? Those are people waving their hands at you. Uh, and, and saying thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. She's covering this area, and right on the other side of her, her church is up there, or the prayer tower is up there toward the top, and then uh, we, we built a fishing pond for them to earn their own money so they could, you know, learn how to, they could grow tilapia and shrimp, and that's up there on the left-hand side, uh, and, and, and there's just 27 churches in an area that's filled with Muslims. And I think, wow, she's just going for it. And so we're going to be talking with her about continuing on also. And, uh, and she has been pastoring for 41 years there. She has been pioneering this thing, her and her husband and family. And uh, we've, uh, we've just helped with, uh, we've, we helped purchase a van for them. And that van was a, kind of a livelihood program where one of the pastors uses this van uh, to make a living as a taxi, and then he also uses it for the churches. And that's an awesome thing. We've been repairing or repaired uh, Pastor Gloria's vehicle and bought tires and those type of things and medications that she needed for her. So through the generosity here, I, I just can't express what, as I was going through this, what this meant to me. We're also supporting, and just more of a, a new thing is, uh, in Greece, we support on a monthly basis. You remember Pastor Gail, and you can't forget her, and Pastor Brian. and uh, We begin monthly support with them, and we want to continue to be involved there. Uh, Bolivia, in Bolivia, we've been supporting a missionary there for 20 years, I think, and uh, we're his largest supporter. It's Roberto, and it's an amazing ministry. He has a children's television program that's reaching his entire state and, and uh, surroundings. And he goes out and he also, uh, with the help uh, of support, he goes out and he teaches Sunday school teachers how to teach kids. And he's involved with that and, and several other things uh, that he's doing. Um, and again, I think we are his largest supporter and he's always writing and just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't do what I'm doing without your help. And then we, we come to Hope's Heart uh, Orphans Ministry, uh, Ken and Judy Williams, and boy, the amazing work that they're doing there. Uh, I, it's uh, uh, just reading down through the list of stuff that they accomplished last year. Um, and and, uh, and that they, they put 10 kids in foster care, which means they got out of these government uh, programs that they're in that just kind of throw a hundred kids in a 10 by 10 room and try to take care of them and got them out of that 37 babies and toddlers into healing homes clothing and so forth uh i I think the greatest ones and and this is the the, there's all these things but the the big one might be that uh five kids joined forever families in other words they got all the way through the system 
they get surgeries if they have cleft mouth or whatever the case may be. One of them has heart, they did a heart surgery for one last year. All these different needs that they would have. I mean, amazing. Uh, they did that and then they try to work them out of that system and into a permanent home. And that's happening on a continual basis. And I just think that's totally, totally awesome. Then there's Uganda, India, who is uh, really, I hear Jim and Judy Mays right here. Wave your hand at us. They have uh, an amazing ministry that a lot of us don't know about. We'll get some information outside, a little bit more information about that. Um, but Jim and Judy, uh, and, and, uh, is, they, they've provided thousands of booklets that are all over Africa, Uganda, and, and India. And I think, wow, the Word of God. If you've ever read our books, it's all Scripture. It's totally awesome. And so all over, there's been spread. We've helped with that a little bit. And uh, we'll continue on. Uh, then there's the Full Faith Church, City Church, which is here in town. And uh, we've helped them with clothing the, and feeding the less fortunate this year. We've kept their food pantry stocked up so they could help. They're just in the heart of a very bad area in Kansas City. Um, we've also provided, this was, I thought, really exciting. I think Kat and Sawyer maybe headed it up and uh, others helped with them but literally for Thanksgiving, took them hot meals. We didn't just give them food. We knew they couldn't cook it. And so we provided hot meals for them. And talking to Pastor Dave down there at Full Faith City Church, he, was, he said they were just thrilled. They couldn't believe it. They were just so thrilled. You know, they usually just get food, but uh, in this case. And so it was amazing what, uh, what took place with that this year. And then we hope we helped some of the schools a little bit. They were obviously closed, so it was minimal what we could do. We also gave alms toward helping people through challenging times here in the area. Uh, Roslyn has been with some others helping out with uh, trying to honor the police stations and go out to them and just bless them and pray for them uh, and, and take them snacks and so forth. Let them know we appreciate them. Patricia, of course, has been heading up the prayer uh, for our city, for our state, for our nation, uh, making trips to with others, making trips to the capital at crucial times and praying for that and praying for our city, state, and nation. And, uh, and that's been an amazing outreach. Uh, and then uh, we also uh, allow three churches to use our building through the week that wouldn't wouldn't have it otherwise. They just come in and just use it. We don't charge them. And we just let them use it. We've been blessed to be able to do that. And they use it for uh, different things, youth meetings and so forth, practice, uh, office space and that type of thing. And uh, and, and I just want to say this. I, I, I about fell over when, when I saw it. About fell over. But it honestly is... We're talking 2020. Remember how good 2020 was, right? <clears throat> In 2020, we were able to give almost $90,000, pull that up, 90, almost $90,000 toward missions and alms and helping people. Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? I just think that is so totally awesome. I, I just think, wow, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I say thank you to you because, honestly, without your generosity, none of this could have happened. None of what I just read, and I just skimmed through it, what is happening, uh, the, the, the reach is much bigger than what we realize. 
uh, at times, and we'll try to do a better job of communicating that, but there is so much happening, and, and, and I just believe that, that God's doing great things on the earth, and so I, I feel like as we look toward this year, what should we do? What could we do? And I just want to throw it out to you, and then we're going to pray. I think we need to continue to bless the missionaries that we already support, see what we can do for them. It'd be nice to take some missions trips. I'm not sure when that will begin to materialize again, but we'll, we'll be looking toward that. I think that what we have, are going to target is funding the planting or the building of three different churches over either uh, both in Mexico and in the Philippines, and we're in contact with them now concerning that to see what they want, to, what they need, if they see that need and where they see that need, and that we would, as a church, take that on and, and uh, support for one year the planting of a church. I think that would be a good thing, and, and that we would take care of that and do that. Uh, I have kind of a long-term goal that I might ask that we all turn, consider praying and turn it into a shorter-term goal. But that's this. As we were talking to Pastor Gloria and, uh, and uh, Bob has been uh, the connection for that, for the Philippines, she kind of threw out something the other day because she rarely asks. And this is what I love about both Duane in Mexico and uh, uh, Pastor Gloria in the Philippines. They don't ask for money. They rarely come begging for money. They just pray, and God puts it on our heart. When we communicate with them, all of a sudden, yeah, there is a need, just like the sound equipment. You know, God put it on the heart. Oh, there's a need. Pastor Gloria, you got to pry it out of her. Well, in the course of a conversation, when trying to find out if she wanted to plant a church or what that need might be for this year, she communicated that the house that she's living in, that she thought was going to be hers at the end, is not going to be. And so it became heavy on her heart because really houses are hard to get in the Philippines to own one. And it came heavy on her heart. When she dies, what will her kids have? And, and so when Bob was sharing that with me, what she was saying, I thought, why don't we just buy or build her house? This lady has labored for 41 years in a, one of the worst areas that you could possibly labor in. Why don't we just build her a house? So it's kind of a long-term goal. Bob's working on finding out what that's going to cost, actually, you know, in, uh, in American dollars. But I just think it's completely doable. We'll just set it as a goal. Go for it. I say we pray all year. God, produce a miracle with finances. Bring finances. And if you're a, a financial type of a person, you pray, God, bless me so I can bless others. I think sometimes God's kind of looking for people to bless through. And, and that we would pray and we would say, God, and again, we'll get the cost on this uh, house, but I'm just going to believe that we're going to do this and buy this lady a house that she could live in the rest of her life and pass on to her kids. I can't think of one person that I know that would be more worthy than Pastor Gloria for that. And just believe God for that. And so that we're going to be getting the, the details on that. I, I, another piece of the dream that, that I saw for this year would be why don't we enlarge our park setting? You're not here during the week, but we have the basketball courts and we have the volleyball courts up there. And we have a potential area back here for a soccer field. just needs to be leveled. What if we enlarge that and then we pray that somebody out of this congregation 
rises up with a passion and a desire because I sit in my office and these guys are up there playing basketball all the time. Well, number one, I don't like basketball. If I was young enough to play it. But what if somebody, he puts it on a heart of park ministry. There's people up there, they bring their, 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 their hammocks and they hang them up there. there. There's many groups that are, which that's the other thing, many groups that come up and use that volleyball thing all the time. There's people up there. I saw Sawyer up there uh, yesterday, uh, Friday or Saturday when he should have been working in here. I saw him. Did I say that? Uh, he was up there. He went up there and started playing basketball with a group of them. I thought, what if we had somebody that that became the ministry of this church? And we set this up to be a park. And we maybe add a, a, a Frisbee golf uh, set up up there. And we begin to flatten this out. And, and the community just began to come and pour in. And, and by the way, we last year were able to let them, the schools and stuff use our volleyball courts when they had no other place to go. And it was just an awesome thing. They were calling. We set times for them. We set it up. But what if we had a a whole ministry revolved around that? Ministry is going to look different in the days ahead. Why not have a park ministry and we have the park? And we have the setting to do it. We have 27 acres here to play with. Let's enlarge our thinking. Let's expand where we're at. I'm just believing that that's going to start this year. And I can encourage to continue to work with the police department, encourage them, pray for them, take care of them. Um, I, I think it's important. I'll just close with this. I, I think it's important for us to uh, enlarge our prayer impact. Now, I just really need your attention here for just a second. This can be the most life-changing church or thing that you ever do for yourself and for the church and for the area. And that is to enlarge our prayer mark. And what came to me was, how many saw that movie, War Room? If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's just about a lady that had some real challenges in her life that seemed to be impossible. And she just set up a place in her house to where that became her war room. And she would make continual visits there just praying over different things. Praying, praying, praying over different things. And I thought, you know, I think uh, I think if we were all honest, we would probably all be able to say, yeah, we could probably pray a little bit more. And so here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to structure, I don't know if we'll call it war room prayer. We might get uh, hit on that one, but we'll think of something. But the concept is, is, How's prayer going in your home? How's prayer going in your family? How are you passing prayer on to your kids? Do they know that you pray? Oftentimes, kids don't even know their parents pray. And how do they know that? Well, and and how are we seeing answers come to us in prayer? And I just believe with everything that's within me, if we will increase our time with God, which is what prayer is, and we find a little structure... And I thought, well, Patricia, can, she's been leading prayer here for years. We can begin to send out resources and begin to target different areas throughout this year that we can pray for, and we can begin to see God move in a mighty way. Now is the time, church. Now is the time. We cannot continue to want to pray more. How many would say we really need to pray more? Let's, let's pray. Speaking of prayer. Father, I thank you today for just all that you've done 
in us and through us this past year. And Father, we don't even want to be satisfied with that. We want it to stir up greater faith in us for this coming year that we're living in today, which needs it more than ever before. I, I pray that you begin to stir vision and heart into every person in this room, Father. Just begin to awaken us to see, Father, how much you really want to speak to us, how much you really want to move inside of us, and how much you want to move through us in the day and the hour that we live. It is a dark hour, and there's deep darkness among the people. And Father, we want to have great influence, and we want to have great, uh, Lord, uh, great change taking place. We want to make a difference, God, because of your power in us. God, I just pray your blessing, pray your favor uh, over uh, this house, that we would be enlarged, greater things would happen. Uh, Father, uh, we would again be surprised in this coming year as to what you have done. God, we offer ourselves to you individually and as a church corporately to do the will of the Father. I just pray your blessing uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.